We're on a mission from God. And now for something completely different. Happy Holy Saturday, this day before Easter. I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in picturesque South St. Louis. And I am a pastor not quite so jolly, but getting jollier every every week, uh, Pastor John McComsky. And I'm still in exile in Ocala, Florida. This is now day 28 of my exile. <laughs> so, not that anyone's counting. <laughs> Now that anyone's going, well, I'm counting. I'm counting the days until we can finally get back home. And it's getting closer. It's getting closer, Matt. Uh, a couple more weeks, and the doctor says we'll be able to travel. If if travel is being allowed at that point, if they haven't closed the borders of the states, we'll see what happens. Uh, uh, again, for people who might not have listened last week, I had a uh, had, uh, heart attack, open heart surgery while we were in Florida and have now been stranded since. But uh, that's okay. That's all right. I'm getting better, and the whole world is kind of being stranded because of the uh, coronavirus. So we're all in this together. Yeah, yeah. And, and you continue to be in our prayers, what? John, for God's healing and strength. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And they're, they're being answered. They are being answered. I, I can say yeah. I'm just glad to be able to be with you and, and uh, continue our work here on wrestling with the basics. So, so Matt, here we are. It's it's now Holy Week. Uh, there were no uh, people gathered from Monday Thursday. There were no tenebrae service, but and yet there were, there were miraculously. Think about it. What a world we live in, where all these services went on on Facebook and on YouTube and on the internet. Uh, it's just, isn't the Lord remarkable? You know, the Lord says, yeah, that's okay. I'm in control of this stuff. You know, you can take one thing away, but but I was I had this all planned out. I, I knew the coronavirus was coming, and I, my word was still going to be proclaimed. So, uh, yeah, you think of all the, uh, you know, that the technology truly is a gift from God. You know, sometimes it's a gift that we misuse, and sometimes the internet is used for all sorts of nefarious purposes, and you know, uh, kind of filthy stuff even. But uh, in this case, wow, the Internet is becoming a tool for the gospel to go out, for God's word to be proclaimed. Like you said, for people to still worship, even though they might not be physically present together still at the same time. Uh, you know, I think it's a comfort for people to be able to, to see their own pastor and see the, the their own church sanctuary, uh, even though it might be on a screen. Uh, but to know that, hey, uh, you know, Good Friday still happened. Christ still died. Easter Sunday is still coming. Christ is still raised. Uh, I think that's a great comfort to folks. And, you know, the, the when you look at, at Facebook in particular and the live streaming on uh, a Sunday morning, that's almost all you see are <laughs> church services. And it, it's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's almost like they, it's taken over the Internet. And uh, I think uh, people that, again, uh, may not be hearing God's Word otherwise, are seeking it out now. They have open ears for words of hope and peace, and uh, what a blessing that we can deliver it uh, through, again, that, that gift of technology that God gives. 
So, so I, I know you've got some things, and, and we're at a transition here. It's not Easter yet. I understand that. It's just Holy Saturday. But I, I did want to uh, uh, throw in, in, in this thought. Uh, um, well, two things. For, for one thing, thank God I don't have to get up for that sunrise service tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at a silver cool. lining, John. What an optimist <laughs> in the midst and, of everything going on. If I want to on. do church at 2 in the afternoon, I can do church at 2 in the afternoon. <laughs> you know, that, that's the cool thing. Anytime I want. Uh, so that's one blessing. But but the other thing that occurred to me is we're going to experience Easter the way the disciples experienced Easter. Because it was all about social di- uh, distancing, wasn't it, for them? Only they weren't being separated off because of any virus, but they were separating themselves out because they thought at any moment that Jews were going to come in and do to them what was done to Jesus. So maybe if we were a little isolated, maybe think, yeah, okay, now I know what those men and women felt like when they were locking themselves up in the upper room. So maybe the way it was. Yeah. 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 That's a good point, John. Uh, you know, that idea that, that Easter evening we see the disciples locked away for fear of the Jews. And guess what? Even though they're isolated, even though they're locked away, Jesus still comes to them. I love that. And even though we might be in our homes, doors locked, <laughs> Jesus still comes to us uh, through his word yeah. and through, through the Internet. So, uh, yeah, wow, that, that, that's, a, that's a cool way to look at it. It's a lot like the first you know, Easter. I, I, I had not drawn the full conclusion, but you're absolutely right. That's right. Even though they were social distance, Jesus was still there, and he will be there with us today. I like that thought, Mike. That's a good one, Matt. But now you said you wanted to talk about something, though. I, I thought it was intriguing. You said you wanted to talk about the trial, the trial of Jesus. You. Yeah, I, you know, I thought we could, you know, again, we're in this sort of strange in-between time between Good Friday and between Easter Sunday, and these are events that happen, you know, uh, on Good Friday. Um, and, and we could start there, and we can certainly, you know, uh, move on to Easter Sunday, you know, before we get to the end of the show. But, um, you know, I want to look at, again, I don't want to ignore the Holy Week, obviously, uh, and Easter, but to, to also to use Holy Week and Easter to, you know, as a lens by which to, to kind of look at the present state of things, you know, especially this coronavirus okay. and pandemic. Um, that God's Word can inform this time uh, in our lives. Uh, but I want to look at a, a few verses just uh, as an example of, of how how we can look at Jesus' passion through worldly eyes, or we can look at it through eyes of faith. Uh, those are two different ways of looking at it. So, you know, uh, so for starters, we, we just have a, a little bit of, of Jesus' Uh, trial here, and as you read those words, think about through worldly eyes, you know, what's taking place here. So, uh, so John, if you want to start with uh, Matthew 27, beginning with verse 11. Now, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, You have said so. But when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he, Jesus, gave him no answer, not even to a single charge, so that the governor was greatly amazed. All right. Yeah, well, I mean, we, we can stop there, you know, because I think we, we have some uh, a, a number of different groups mentioned. Uh, we've got Pilate, the, the governor himself, right? 
Right. We also have mentioned the chief priests and the elders, so the Jewish religious leaders. Uh, certainly there's Roman soldiers there as all this trial is taking place, and uh, already, you know, uh, we hear about the abuse that Jesus suffered at their hands. Uh, so, you know, as you think about those different groups of people who, who are looking really at Jesus through worldly eyes, you know, what, what are they seeing as this takes place? Um, so I think of, you know, especially the, the Jewish religious leaders, the chief priests that are mentioned here, uh, the, 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 uh, the scribes that are mentioned, uh, what are they seeing? And I think what they see is as someone who's a, a threat, a threat to their position, uh, a threat to their authority, uh, someone who's performed miracles that they want to keep quiet, especially Lazarus being raised from the dead, uh, someone who's preached words of truth, yet they want to silence those words. I think someone, there are people who are, see Jesus as a threat to their position and, and uh, their office that they hold. So, I mean, that, that's, that's what they see when they look at Jesus. Uh, but then, you know, what is... Yeah, John, were you going to say something? I was going to say, and I was going to say, ironically, uh, ultimately, that's how Pilate sees him, too. He oh, thinks, yeah, uh, so that's the next guy. Of, of, you know, exactly. Causing, uh, you know, there's going to be a riot or whatever. So maybe it's easier just to get rid of him than... And you know, have to put up with all the, the the problems that he's causing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, he sees Jesus just yeah a problem and a, and again a threat to himself. You know, he has this delicate balance between making Rome and Caesar happy and trying to uh, keep the Jews quiet. Uh, this fragile peace that's there, and and Jesus is threatening it. So you know, Pilate's willing to do whatever it takes, even if it means. Uh, condemning an innocent man to death and washing his hands of it uh, to make sure that he's, his position is preserved. Uh, that's, that's what, that's what uh, Pilate sees. And then I think of, you know, the, uh, the Roman soldiers there. What do, they, what do they see through their worldly eyes as they look at Jesus? And uh, I, I think they see someone who is, is not a king. <laughs> we talked about yeah, kingship no, last he's, week. He's and, a rabble-rouser. He's a rabble-rouser. He, some of these soldiers, maybe they saw Caesar himself in Rome, or maybe in campaigns they had seen kings in foreign lands, or uh, at the very least, they probably have some kind of picture in their mind of what a, a king would look like. I'd be regal and powerful. And they look, and all they see with these worldly eyes are a, a Jewish carpenter uh, who's beaten up, who's bloody, who's wearing a, a crown that's just made out of thorns. And so all they do, as we read on, is they, they joke with him and they mock him. Um, they make fun of Jesus. So, you know, again, with, with worldly eyes, that, that's, all we, that's all we see. Not much is going on here. Uh, but with eyes of faith, uh, with eyes of faith, boy, um, so much is happening here. Uh, God is at work. Infinitely more is happening in Jesus' passion uh, than worldly eyes could ever even begin to comprehend. And as we look through eyes of faith at what's happening here, I think that's that means that we look at these events through the eyes of Scripture uh, as well. You know, that here is a fulfillment of Genesis 3 taking place, uh, this one who's going to crush Satan's head, defeat the devil. Uh, here it's a fulfillment of Isaiah 53, that one who bears our griefs and carries our sorrows, the one who was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Uh, with eyes of faith, we see it's a fulfillment of Second uh, Corinthians 5. I love these words. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. 
that's what's happening here. And so with eyes of faith, we can see that the good that God is working here, uh, even when things look pretty bad, even when things look really bad, uh, we can see this good that God's still working when we look at all this through eyes of faith. So that's the thing. All, all they can see is from their own political perspective or whatever particular concern they might have. Uh, but but you're right. Behind this is, of course, the, the fulfillment of the promise that God would send the, the Lamb of God who would, you know, die for the sins of the world. And, exactly. and that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So now uh, just you know, I'll tell a little story here. Um, there's a okay. story about a, a little girl <laughs> who wakes up Christmas morning, and she discovers Christmas morning she was she was given a large stinking pile of manure. <laughs> oh man, that's Have you what heard I this one before, Christmas. John? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> so yeah, disgusting, oh, right? Is there more to the story? There's more to the story. So, you know, uh, the, the child, though, this little girl is not discouraged. Uh, you and I, we'd probably be pretty discouraged. I know I would be. But instead, this little girl, she looks at this heap of manure, and she enthusiastically exclaims this. With all this manure, <laughs> there must be a pony around here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, what does that have to do with anything? Uh, you know, going back to the coronavirus, kind of where we started off, yeah. uh, when we see that virus only with worldly eyes, uh, what do we see? Well, I think we just see a big stinking pile of manure is what we see, yeah. uh, because it is bad and it is terrible. Uh, but with eyes of faith, uh, we look at that uh, coronavirus, we see the manure, and we think, well, there's got to be a pony around here somewhere. Uh, so so what's the pony, right? Uh, what is the good that God's working, uh, even in the midst of something that's bad, definitely bad, like the coronavirus? Um, and, you know, when we look at that situation through eyes of faith, uh, then we can see even good happening there. Uh, and I, I think we mentioned some of those already at the top of the show, John, Um you know, that, that, that there's good even coming out of this, this certainly bad thing of the coronavirus. And, and when we look at that through eyes of faith and how God is at work, even in the midst of pandemic, um, perhaps especially in the midst of pandemic, uh, we can rejoice and we can even give thanks. Uh, I saw a quote that said, uh, during this time of pandemic, the church isn't closed. It's not closed. It's deployed. I kind of like that idea. Yes. That it's not closed, yeah, all right? Like the, church, the church never closes the church of the people of God, uh, but deployed. Uh, I saw another quote that said, uh, the crisis like this, the coronavirus, is a catalyst for the church. A crisis is a catalyst for the church that uh, God can work through his people, God can work through his church, uh, even when things look bad. Uh, and, and as a pastor, I see that happening. I, You know, again, we people tuning into worship, hearing God's Word. Uh, but, but even more than that, I just I, I see people calling each other on the phone, uh, you know, checking in with family members and friends that maybe they haven't talked to for a little while, uh, giving a fellow church member that they usually sit next to in the pew or next to a Bible class a call just to kind of say, hey, do you need anything? And Do you need some groceries? What can I do to help? Uh, what can I pray about? So, you know, I think even in the midst of... <laughs> This, this manure-like situation, this pandemic of the coronavirus, 
uh, even in the midst of bad, uh, God still works good. And with eyes of faith, uh, boy, we can uh, we can certainly see it taking place. Any let, thoughts, let John? Or well, let me, yeah, let me give you an example of that. Seeing things through the eyes of faith and when it doesn't seem like there could possibly be anything good. Um, you know, we were talking about the social distancing yeah. and, and, again, how the disciples experienced that on the first Easter. But, but I thought the greatest example of social distancing was what Jesus did on the cross because uh, he is separated, isn't he? He's separated from everybody, lifted up high above everybody. Uh, and, in fact, you know, he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So yeah. how distant can you get? And, and yet we know, no, that's that's probably the best thing in the world because there is Jesus taking on hell, taking on the separation from the Lord so that you and I might understand that will never happen to us. It, it may seem like there's a pile of manure <laughs> sitting in front of us. It may seem like that's happened, but, but no, no, it isn't, uh, no. Uh, the Lord has never, ever, that's what he said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And, and that's the cool thing. So coronavirus or no coronavirus, uh, separated, isolated from people we love and care for. Uh, but no, no, you will never, ever be separated from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and in fact, when you feel like that, you can say, oh, but I'm not. I'm not because he knows that. He's been there. He did that, too. He understands what isolation is, and uh, he'll never leave us alone in that isolation. So, yeah, good good thoughts, Matt. Yeah, we've and, and it's all eyes of faith. faith. That's what it always is. We've got to see things through faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that is a beautiful promise. Uh, Jesus was forsaken, and we will, but we will never be forsaken. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, whether we we're looking at Jesus' trial, like we just did, uh, you know, from Matthew 27 uh, on Good Friday, or whether we're looking at this trial of the coronavirus, <laughs> we might call it that. Uh, and again, eyes of faith, uh, we can see the good that God's working, you know, even when things look bad, even when things look bad. Um, so, yeah. And, and again, I, I just want to emphasize, Matt, even if you can't see it, it is still that way. That, that's, that's right. Okay. Yeah. It's not dependent upon you, able to, as we had last week. The disciples didn't understand any of this either when it was going on. Uh, but it, it, still was, it was still God doing all of his good stuff. It's yeah. just sometimes he does his stuff, and, and, and we just we don't know it. We just can't understand it until, well, as you point out, the whole crucifixion thing. That makes absolutely no sense until, of course, after Easter. And, yeah. and it begins to make sense. That's right. Well, well, John, I, I was thinking maybe with the time we have left, we got about five minutes or so, maybe we could skip ahead to Easter, a little foretaste of the celebration tomorrow. Uh, what okay. do you think? Sounds good to me, man. Okay. Sounds good to me, uh, yeah. It's yeah, going to be here tomorrow, even though we won't be gathering at the sunrise service. Uh, but we'll be <laughs> gathering, won't we? We'll be there. We'll be, we'll hear, we'll be hearing the Word of God. Yes, we will. That's right. Yeah, amen. Uh, yeah, we, we so here's our little foretaste of Easter from Matthew chapter 28, uh, verses 1 and following. Uh, and, you know, kind of the cool thing is, um, yeah, it's, you know, um, the, you know, as Jesus even greets them, you know, it, it's not just eyes of faith. Now it's they see with their own eyes <laughs> that Jesus lives, uh, that he's one, uh, the, the good that that. Good Friday worked, and the the good that his resurrection has worked. So, 
Uh, John, you want to read that? Uh, Matthew 28, verse 1 and, and following. So how far do you want me to go, Matt? Well, however far you want to go. You want to go uh, uh, we go all the way through verse 10. I think it's a nice way to, to kind of wrap up okay. today. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Yeah. Thank you. You know, and as you read that, you know, we hear the words fear a couple times, uh, but we also hear uh, two different times, just in those verses, do not be afraid, right? Uh, verse 5, oh, the angel yeah. says, do not be afraid. Uh, why? Because Jesus isn't here. He's risen, right? Yeah. Uh, the yeah. resurrection casts out fear. And then the second time we hear that is uh, Jesus himself. Uh, verse 10, do not be afraid, right? Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Uh, so this idea that Jesus' resurrection, uh, Jesus overcoming death, uh, boy, that, that casts out fear. And I think... Uh, you know, when we have this, this new pandemic and uh, we think, well, how do we deal with this and what do we do and how do we look at this? Um, you know, and again, through those eyes of faith, boy, they're, they're, it, it, we deal with it how we deal with, with any uh, result of evil, right, with any sickness, with anything. We, we deal it, with it through the eyes of what Christ has done for us and, and without right. fear because we know that oh, Christ has overcome all things and we see that in his resurrection. Uh, that casts away fear no matter what the problem is, whether it's a virus or a, a heart attack or a fall out of a tree or whatever it is. Uh, that's ultimately what casts out fear is Jesus lives uh, and the victory's won. Can, can I share with you really, uh, again, I get to do a lot more reading now. <laughs> and I ran across this beautiful quote from from Ever Everlyn von Gunsberg. You remember Everlyn von Gunsberg? Oh yeah, good old Everlyn. Yeah. yeah, I think we went to yeah, seminary well, together. <laughs> he, he was a priest back there in the in the time of the Reformation. And yeah. Okay. I, I, a Christian child is accustomed to seek all things from Christ, to pray to God for life, joy, peace, healing, nourishment, wisdom, hope, redemption, and protection from all evil. In short, the Christian is taught to think of Christ as the best, most trustworthy, friendliest friend, who is more friendly, loving, and trustworthy than all angels, saints, etc. And I ran across that, and I thought, yeah, in these days when it's uh, it seems so dark, and there's so many restrictions, and it seems so, uh, uh, you know, Jesus is still our friend. That has not changed. You know, we have troubles, but what makes a friend a friend is he's always there for us. Uh, just like you have, and, and, and uh, I know the listeners have, and their prayers for me. So there you go. We we still got Jesus, man. That's right. That, that's all you need, right? That's all you need. Uh, if you got Jesus, you have everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. The one who still lives uh, for us, 
uh, the one who's going to return for us, uh, the one who says the, the same things he said to those of the tomb that day, uh, fear not, fear not, don't be afraid. Yeah. And I just love that the friendliest friend is more friendly, loving, and trustful. That's Jesus. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Thank you, Evelyn. Thank you, Evelyn. Yes. Well, John, I I think our time is coming to a close here as we uh, talk to each other remotely. Um, And I think we can uh, wrap it up for today when we meet next time. Oh, there goes my alarm. Yep. Okay. Time to stop. So uh, uh, when we meet next week, uh, it will be the season of Easter. And uh, look forward to our our next episode uh, and gathering together again. Uh, But until then, God bless you, John. Keep healing up uh, and and you're in our prayers. All right. This has been been Wrestling with the Basics. Wrestling with the Basics.